Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I have the pleasure to talk with Sarah Bernie, LCSW, clinical social worker and certified eating disorder specialist and supervisor. She's a leading expert in her field and has found her purpose in helping others find freedom, safety, and peace. She specializes in treating all types of eating disorders, acute and complex trauma, substance abuse, OCD, and depressive and anxiety disorders. In 2017, she founded Bernie Therapy Group, a concierge private group practice, providing comprehensive mental health services to adolescents, adults, and families. Her experience also includes providing intensive therapy at inpatient and outpatient treatment centers for eating disorders, mental health, and substance abuse. She is also a former director of one of the nation's largest and leading adult eating disorder treatment centers. Today, we talk about eating disorders, the who, what, where, and why. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me. Yes. So you do a lot of work with eating disorders. Yes. Is that all you do in your practice? It's not all I do. Um, it is a passion of mine. I worked in higher levels of care, all levels of care for eating disorders for years and years. And just in general, I have a passion for eating disorders just because a lot of people don't necessarily have a lot of hope in eating disorder recovery or have like a very deep understanding of the nuances of eating disorder treatment. And there can be a lot of layers that are a bit tricky to navigate. And I really like being able to kind of dive in and just help people find something that can be difficult to find on their own. Well, maybe we should start of kind of basic definitions. I mean, we could have a whole discussion on what eating disorders are, what disordered eating is, but maybe just like a brief explanation or a summary of kind of like eating disorders versus disordered eating. Sure. Yeah. You know, people can at some point have had disordered eating and then shift to it being an eating disorder. Right. And even vice versa, although that's not as common, it would be over quite a period of time. But first of all, there's obviously a variety of types of eating disorders. There are certain ones that are more commonly spoken about, and there's ones that are being talked about more now, like ARFID and things like that. But overall, what we can say, I think a general good explanation of disordered eating versus eating disorders is an eating disorder will have significant interference in your day-to-day life, right? That's not to say that disordered eating doesn't have that, but the degree to which an eating disorder interferes is going to be significantly more than disordered eating. And in what ways does an eating disorder interfere? Might it interfere in someone's life? So most people think of it as just as it relates to food or body and think like it only has to do with an obsession with either their body or food, whatever it may be. First of all, each eating disorder can present differently for each person, right? So just because, you know, you have a diagnosis of bulimia or anorexia or binge eating disorder, whatever it may be, it doesn't mean that that one diagnosis for Susie is going to look the same as it does for like Paul. And so how it presents is going to be different, not just based on the actual diagnosis, but also based on the person for a variety of reasons. But ways that it can interfere, to answer your question, obviously in your interpersonal relationships, I mean, it can interfere in romantic relationships, platonic relationships at your work. You can become medically unstable, in which case now that also interferes with us just like your day-to-day functioning of being able to just exist in the world. A lot of times there's also a mood disorder. So depression, anxiety, 
Also, there could be OCD, trauma, whatever it might be. So now all of that also is now a part of, it's not a part of the diagnosis of the eating disorder, but it's also something that's presenting. And a lot of times that depression, that's going to interfere with your life or completing your just activities of daily living. And with eating disorders, the thing I tend to really notice is that it's almost like there's a tape playing in the back of your head at all times that's connected to just feeling particularly poorly about yourself and a lot of anxiety. It can sometimes present insecurity in an interaction you have with people in general, but there's almost like there's always like a tape in the back of our mind, just kind of like playing with this like negative self-talk and this negative really just negative words and interpretation of the world. Yeah. It sounds pretty tiring. Yeah. What I notice a lot is that people don't necessarily realize that it's playing. If you've ever had like, <laughs> I'm sure you've had this experience. If you've had kids and they're like screaming or playing or doing whatever they're doing and you don't really notice that it's happening, but then all of a sudden if that noise is gone, you're like, oh, well, this feels so much better. Yeah. So we don't notice that it's putting us a little bit more on edge or disturbing our day to some degree because it just feels so baseline. One of the common misconceptions, especially with eating disorders, is a lot of times people think that they have to, at some point, have chosen to have an eating disorder. And then they're like, well, I couldn't possibly have this because I never really wanted to. So this is just some stuff that I do. And a lot of times like, right, but all of these behaviors and the way that it's impacting your life and your attachment to them and our need for them, that's what makes it the eating disorder versus if it's more disordered eating, it's like, we have maybe these like rules or this or that. But if I didn't listen to them, like maybe I'm bummed for like a minute or maybe even like an hour, but it definitely didn't ruin my day consistently. And our attachment to doing whatever that disordered kind of behavior is, it's not so much that it will like rock our identity. And that's the difference. That makes a lot of sense. I like the way that you you described that. Well, you had initially mentioned this idea of like hopefulness in treatment and in recovery from eating disorders. I mean, I know eating disorder treatment is different and tailored to each individual person and what their needs are and what their symptoms are. But this is such a broad question. Obviously, as you are an eating disorder specialist, you have hope that people recover from this. So I guess my question is like, how do you... How do you think about treatment? What are the steps for treatment, knowing that it's so complex and different for different people? I might be asking a really hard question, but. Well, your question is, it's not hard, it's just broad. So there's so many different directions that I could go in the answer. So sometimes I'm like, I need a little bit more specifics to like really give you, I think more of what you're looking for, but I'm going to try to give you a good summary. I mean, certainly it depends where they're coming in to treatment. If it's severe, they're just like became medically unstable and you don't have to be medically unstable to have an eating disorder. Like, let's just be clear about that. Right. Like that's really important. It does happen. Eating disorders are extremely dangerous in that sense. And also it's not required. Anyway, at the beginning, no matter what psychoeducation or in other words, just education about eating disorders and how they present and what to expect and what's a behavior and what's not, that's the first thing. Because your intent behind something that you're doing, like let's, and you don't struggle with an eating disorder, right? Might look the same as something that I'm doing. Like let's say I do. And so to you, it just seems like whatever, this is just like some weird behavior, something I do, but everyone does something kind of different or weird with food or working out or body image, just anything, right? And so being able to understand, hey, when this happens for this person, this actually where it's coming from and what's driving it is something much deeper than what's happening for you, 
right? So just being able to understand what even are eating disorder behaviors and also what is their purpose? I think that that's a big piece that can be overlooked in treatment. I kind of look at treatment in two ways. So there's a psychoeducation piece of just like the behaviors. And so we know what's going on. We also then need to have some skill building, right? And just like stabilization. So here's what's going on. And, and forgive me, because I'm like making this up as we go. But by the end of this next couple of minutes, I'll have a system for you. So first, the psychoeducation of it. Then it's also, we need to basically have an idea of what's the standard we're looking for. So like, what actually would it look like for me to exist in the world if I weren't to be engaging in behaviors? That's like the goal. And at this point, you prop, you need a team. You can't just be like, oh, okay, this is the meal plan I'm supposed to follow. Or these are the things I'm not supposed to do. And like, that's the end. Because if that were the end, then you don't have an eating disorder. That's just that. I mean, great news if that's the case. So then it's like, here's what the goal is. It doesn't mean we have any plan of getting there anytime, like particularly quickly or soon, but just in general, here's where we're like, at least we should have a goal for where we're kind of going. And here's some reasonable steps. And you put together those reasonable steps with a team. That includes a dietitian, most likely a psychiatrist. I could go on a whole other tangent about that, but I'll leave that. And usually a pediatrician or just a primary care physician. And maybe that's not all the time or as often, but we do want, again, confirm the medical stability end. And then any adjunct providers that are needed. And you come up with like what the goals are for you to exist appropriately in everyday life. So then that's great. But how am I going to do any of that? So then after that, it's a little bit more psychoeducation of here's some skills, skills that really like we all kind of want to have dialectical behavioral therapy skills, even like some cognitive behavioral therapy skills, just like, here's the negative thoughts I'm having. How do I challenge them? How do I work through them? How do I like build up enough distress tolerance to get through this? What is normal to expect? And like, is this okay to feel this way? Because a lot of times the feelings that we might feel as we're challenging some of the eating disorder behaviors, it's like, no, 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 this is like way too much. I can't do this. Like this is actually, I feel worse, which of course, because now we're challenging something that you've used to ground yourself, right? And to help you get through the day. And now you're like getting rid of it. So now you're just for sure going to feel worse and going to feel like failure, which then feels just awful because a lot of times the eating disorder is a assistant, although a maladaptive one to help us to like feel a little bit more secure and successful and belonging and not like a failure per se. Now that we're working on growing out of it or recovering, we feel like a failure for not being good enough for the eating disorder and a failure in recovery. So it's really just like miserable for a period of time, which is why it's great to have a team because we can help you to not actually get stuck in that and know that you're actually moving through something and what feels uncomfortable actually is success. Yeah. So bringing in that hopefulness that things will change for you, like your patterns will change for the better over time. Yeah. There's a few pieces that make it so it's valuable to have lists in it. Obviously, I think this goes for it, really any diagnosis, see where you might be going and help you to feel more secure and safe in this like kind of scary and uncomfortable and unknown process. Yeah. That really, when you're going through it is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had mentioned the different members of the team. And I think people are sometimes confused in terms of the different roles of different clinicians on a team for eating disorders. Do you want me maybe yeah. summarize that a little bit? Yeah. The way I was trained, and I think pretty much everyone is trained, is we don't want duplicate roles, right? I've 
experience where there's like a standard, like just a regular therapist, but then they're like, ah, I don't treat eating disorders. And then they'll bring on an eating disorder specialist as either a consult for a period of time or just to meet with the client or the patient just about the eating disorder. Now that can be just about eating disorder behaviors themselves and how to challenge them. It gets a little tricky because at least in the work that I did, the last step I was going to mention after just like how to challenge the behaviors is also what drives these behaviors. Like, why do we have this? And sometimes there isn't really much of an answer and there's like a very nuanced answer all the time. And there's a bunch of research behind a variety of like reasons of what drives eating disorders. But we do want to have a lot of times some understanding of what's driving it. Because if we can better understand that, then we almost remove the need for the eating disorder. So the therapist roles, we want to make sure don't become like too much of a crossover. If the eating disorder therapist starts to kind of do what could end up being like a little bit more trauma work or things like that. So it is important if you do have two therapists on the team, one that's the eating disorder professional and one that is just the standard regular therapist, that the roles aren't overlapping in that sense. I mean, the dietitian, it's funny because I've only actually worked with eating disorder dietitians. And so I'm like, that's like my understanding of how dietitians approach the world. But I know that there's a lot of different types, obviously. Eating disorder dietitians specifically, it's not just about like, here's a meal plan, meal plan guidelines, and making sure that like you're moving in whatever direction is appropriate. It's also about helping you to understand what's going on in your body and to learn to trust your body and have it be like a more reciprocal relationship of you and your, if we're separating you and your body and it not feeling like, you're punishing yourself or it's punishing you and things like that. And so they should help you. It's almost like a nutritional therapy of helping you to like feel a bit more comfortable and understanding of what your body needs because we can get so confused (laughs) with all the information that's out there about what we really need. Right. Sorry, I didn't mean to derail your, your, we're going through the process still. (laughs) Oh, yes. I think that was the end. So my summary, psychoeducation about what are behaviors, then like, what's the goal? Then how do I like behaviorally achieve that goal, right? Like I need to, I need to build up some skills to be able to do that. And then lastly, what's driving this all together and how do I help heal that? Mm-hmm. And I think one thing we, I know we wanted to mention in this discussion is that eating disorders are very complex, right? And that there's this idea that it could be mixed with trauma. It could be mixed with a lot of other psychological aspects kind of coming in, driving it. And I I wonder if you want to talk a little bit about that and just maybe the complexity of eating disorders. Well, sometimes people present with it's primarily the eating disorder. And from the eating disorder, now we have depression because like, I'm isolating and I'm not going out because I'm engaging in these behaviors or these like rules I have prevent me from doing A, B, and C, which increases the depression or anxiety. Like I have these eating disorder thoughts and now my anxiety is through the roof, right? Or I have my eating disorder makes me a little bit more kind of even just some obsessive behaviors or compulsive behaviors, right? And there is a lot of overlap in eating disorders and obsessive compulsive disorder specifically anorexia and bulimia and OCD. And so it's like, okay, that came from primarily the eating disorder. There's other situations where someone's maybe just like extremely depressed. And now they have these more eating disorder behaviors and even eating disorder thoughts. But really what's driving it is their extreme depression 
Another way is sometimes trauma that is the primary and then it drives the eating disorders, a coping skill for that. That can happen a lot. What about the eating disorders and substance abuse? There's a lot of overlap there for a variety of reasons, especially with bulimia. There's a lot of impulsivity, difficulty regulating impulses. And that also is a behavioral aspect of substance use disorder and alcohol use disorder, right? And so that makes perfect sense. But also in general, you do get an endorphin rush from a lot of a lot of the eating disorders, right? Or you drop if you're not engaging in behaviors, right? That endorphin hit, right? Is the same as you would experience with various substances. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times what we see is once one resolves, this other one pops up. Oh. Because I'm using this to cope and now this is gone, but I still have something I'm trying to cope with. I still need a way to cope. And sometimes just taking a deep breath isn't enough. I hope that some people are listening to this. I mean, I hope people are listening to it in general, but this idea that there might be some people who might just be curious about eating disorder treatment, wondering if they do have an eating disorder or if they do have disordered eating or maybe someone they know and they want to try to find help for them. Are there like good places to start? If people are considering treatment, if you go online, there are different research-based tests that you can take that'll say like, oh, if you score over this, then you might be struggling. Please call A, B, and C. Certainly anyone that's wondering, I always am happy to do any type of consult of like, hey, this is what's presenting. What do you think? And obviously it's not an official opinion if I'm just checking in with you on the phone and like, I can't give an official recommendation, but at least some guidance in the right direction. But if you look online, there are just actual like 10 question quizzes. There's also an actual standard that various clinicians use to be able to assess for eating disorders and the severity, which is not something I'll recommend here. If someone is interested in specifically seeing an eating disorder, is there like a database of clinicians where someone can search to make sure that the clinician they're seeing has that specialty? Sure. There are clinicians who specialize in eating disorders, but don't have the certification as a certified eating disorder specialist. It takes a long time to get. So, I mean, I have plenty of colleagues that don't have that certification for whatever reason, and they are eating disorder specialists, but they're not certified eating disorder specialists. So, but if you did want to find someone who is, which obviously I value given that I went through that process, they're certified by the International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals, IADEP. You can just type in certified eating disorder specialist therapist. There's also certified eating disorder dietitians and certified eating disorder specialist doctors. So if you just type that into Google, that'll auto-populate with people. That's great. Great Mm -hmm. to know. I think we went over a lot in a short period of time, and I'm glad that you were on to help make it palatable and clear. So thank you. And like I said before, I'll make sure your information is in the episode description. So if the listener wants to reach out or learn more about you, it's easy for them to do that. Before we say goodbye, any closing remarks, things to leave the listener with? Well, I would say there is a bit of a, this is a debate in like the eating disorder world is there such thing as a full recovery or am I always going to be like in recovery, but just like one second away from going back and everyone's absolutely entitled to their own opinion. My stance is just that 100% there can be a full recovery. And sometimes people get labeled chronic and just like, there's no hope or it's just who you are. The end. I feel very strongly that that's not the case because I've seen it. And Really what makes the biggest difference is obviously the client's, their motivation and their desire. There's nothing that can replace that. 
And another piece that's really a big factor is the primary support group or the love and like purpose, just feeling not alone in their recovery. But 100%, I think everyone is absolutely able to have a full recovery. It's a great place to end. Hopeful note. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you for being on. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. See ya. Bye. This has been Mind Stories with me, Josephine McNary of Cal Psychiatry. With online psychiatry in California and 13 offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, ADHD, anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com and let us help you get back to your true self. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.